All right. All right. All right. The, uh, hey, there was such a successful game last week that, that the requests have been piling in, asking, can we do another game? And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to begin with another game. You guys remember that music? Does that ring a bell to anybody? What's that from? The Price is Right. Remember Bob Barker used to be the host, and he always said, uh, you know, make sure you get your pets spayed and neutered. There we go. Like, that's not what this is going to be about today. The, um, <clears throat> but it, that's what always stuck out to me. And then um, after he left, Drew Carey came on, right? So we're going to play a little um, bit of The Price is Right, but I, I need a contestant, don't I? So Jeremy, can you... Can you give us a contestant? I sure can, Scott. Mark Harrell, come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. Let's give it up for Mark. Yay, Mark. Aren't you glad you came to church this week? All right, so here's, here's the game. Do you guys remember the game More or Less? More or Less. So I've got four different items that I've purchased at Kroger, and they've got a price on them, and I'm going to one at a time put it up here, and Mark is going to have to tell me whether the actual price is more or less than the stated price, right? Now, he, he can use your help. You guys can all participate here. And if you think it's higher, you say one higher. Dollar. If you think it's lower, you say lower. And if you get it right, you're going to get to keep the prize. Can't wait. All right. All right. Let me, let's see. Uh, here's the first item. Siete chips. These are the nacho cheese brand. Now, now $3.99, correct, is the stated price, but is the actual price, Mark, higher or lower than $3.99? With this inflation we got going on, I'm going to say, I'm still going to say lower. Lower? Is it? <laughs> Do you want to guess again? Yeah, I'll say higher. <laughs> I mean, I'd... I'm not familiar with this brand of chips. That's okay. my... Sound like a few people were, so I just wanted to give you some grace right. there. Don't Let's... anybody ever forget the grace I just explained. How many ounces? So you it? said three ninety nine. You say it's higher, higher. than three ninety nine. Yes, we'll say higher. It is wow. actually four ninety nine. You, you can, are correct. Oh, you can get a bag of kettle corn for that. Siete chips. <laughs> All right. What is my next item here? Tate's cookies. Anybody ever had Tate's cookies? All right. Where do you State? shop? Because I've never seen those before. It's Kroger. Oh, it's Food Lion is where. I... Okay. I'll say higher. Four ninety nine. Higher than four ninety nine. Higher, yes. The actual price is five forty nine. You won again. I get to keep all the stuff. You get to keep that too. Oh, right. All right. <clears throat> Next item: Dunkin' Original Blend Coffee. Nine forty nine is the stated oh, price. Definitely lower. Lower. The actual price is eight seventy nine. You are correct yet again. All right. So far, you've won everything. That's great. Last item here, Mark. <clears throat> it's a $25 Cracker Barrel gift card. Uh, that is... 
And the stated price is twenty four ninety nine. Is the actual price? I'm gonna higher say or higher. Definitely higher. I don't need any help. With them? Well, you're correct, Mark. It is higher than twenty four ninety nine. What is it? Congrats! It's actually twenty five dollars. <laughs> all right, let's give Mark a hand. Is that it? Here you got it. That's it. You won all of them. Mark's glad he finally came to church. never better than Mark. So the point of this game is this, that everything has a price. Everything costs something. There's a price for each of those items. And while Mark got them all for free, I actually paid for them. All right. They came at a cost. There is a price. And I want you to remember that as we go through this service this morning. Now, we're in week three of what has now become a five-week series, and uh, we're addressing a couple questions. One is, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And two, why do we need it? What is the gospel and why do we need it? Now, Sutton started us off great, and he defined what the gospel was, and it's this good news of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. But he also pointed out that unless we first understand the bad news, we won't appreciate or understand the good news, right? You have to understand the bad news before you can truly understand the good news. And he, he ex- explained the bad news. He said um, that all of us, all of humanity are under God's wrath, that we're under his just judgment, and that we need a savior. Now, that's not a popular message today. It never has been a popular message. We don't like that idea that we're not enough and that we need a Savior, and so we tend to rebel against that. Now, last week, I followed up with talking about our problem, and I went into more detail and pointed out the fact that not a single one of us are good, not even one, and that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's our problem. Now, um, this week, I'm going to share like the cost of our sin, and then I'm going to share some good news with you. Could you use some good news? Like my brother's been giving me a hard time. He's like, man, it's like the third week of bad news. Can we get some good news here? So this is it. This is for my brother Rob. So uh, anyhow, we're going to talk about some good news this morning. We're going to focus really on two verses in Romans, Romans 6.23 and then Romans 5, 8. Those are the two verses that we're going to focus on this morning. So we're going to begin Romans 6, 23. <clears throat> I'm going to begin with just the first part. Listen to this. It says, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. In other words, sin has a cost. Sin has a cost. And the ultimate cost is death. And when it's talking about death here, it's not just talking about a physical death, it's talking about a spiritual death. It's this eternal separation between us and God. The wages, what we have earned for our sin, is death. Eternal separation from God. That's bad news. That's bad news. And if you think about the various things that we call sins, right, there's a cost. There's a cost to each and every one of them. Think about a few. Um, If you disobey your parents, it it may cost you some privileges, or you may be sent to your room, right? Um, If you steal from your employer, it may cost you your job, or it may 
be the death of your career. Uh, if you cheat on your spouse, it may cost you your relationship. It may be the death of your relationship. It may even be your own death, like physical death, because my wife has told me if I do that, she will kill me. And, and I've known her to be a woman of her word. I trust her in that. You know, So sin has a cost, right? And I could go through any number of things that we call sin, and there's always a cost with it, right? And so um, all sin comes with a cost. There's a price to be paid. Now, I, I want to make it clear that um, disobeying our parents, stealing from our employer, you know, cheating on your spouse, um, whatever we do that is wrong and we call sins are just a lesser manifestation of a greater sin. They're lesser manifestations of a greater sin. And here's what I believe to be the greater sin. I believe our greatest sin is our rebellion against God. I believe our greatest sin is our rebellion against God as evidenced by our rejection of Jesus as our Lord as a rejection of Jesus as the Lord of our lives. Our greatest sin is our rebellion against God as evidenced by our rejection of Jesus as the Lord of our lives. I want you to think about that. Maybe even in your mind, start to argue with me. Do that in your mind, not out loud, all right? But think, is that, is that true? Is what he's saying really true? Well, I think if you look at the, just the three examples that I already gave. So, for instance, if we disobey our parents. Remember last week, I mentioned the Ten Commandments, you know, God's law. Do you remember one of the commandments was to honor your father and your mother? Remember that? Well, if you disobey your father and your mother, you're not honoring them, are you? Right? And so, if, if God said to honor them and you choose to do the opposite, isn't that evidence that this disobeying your parents is really a sign, it's an, an issue of a greater sin, of a greater issue that you have, that ultimately you're rebelling against God. You may appear to be a rebelling against your parents, but ultimately you're rebelling against God. Take stealing from your employer. I think it's a sign of a greater issue that we have, that God, again, said, don't steal. And when we choose to steal, we may be sinning against our employer, but ultimately, we are rebelling against God. We're doing the opposite of what God said we should do. Cheating on your spouse, your significant other. He said, don't commit adultery. And so when we do, it's a sign of a greater issue, that we are, in essence, rebelling against God. We're doing the opposite of what he said we should do. And I think we could go down the line, sin after sin after sin. And each of them has a cost, but there's a sign of a greater issue that has a greater cost. It's our rebellion against God. And ultimately, the cost is death, eternal separation from God. So, that's what, what we see here. Sin comes at a cost. There's a price to be paid. Um, and as we talked about last week, there's no amount of good works, no amount of good deeds that you can do to make up for that. It is what it is. It comes at a cost. Now, the clearest example of our rebellion against God is truly um, not allowing Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. 
I believe that is the greatest example of our rebellion against God. It's when we reject Jesus as being the Lord of our lives. And, and you may think that you haven't rejected him, but if you haven't accepted him, if you haven't embraced a relationship with him, then in essence, you have rejected him. And that's the ultimate sign of rebellion against God. <clears throat> now, I'm going to talk about that um, more in a minute, but I want to give you some good news. Like, I'm excited to give you this good news because if you read the rest of Romans 6, it's full of good news. So it begins like this, for the wages of sin is death. That's bad news, right? We can all agree with that. But, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, who? Our Lord. Our Lord. I want you to catch that. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say our Savior. It says our Lord. And there is a big difference. There is a big difference there. See, um, our sin has a great cost, this rebellion against God. And God has this incredible gift. It's the gift of Jesus Christ, a relationship with him. But it's only when he's our Lord that it's really good news. It's not enough for him just to be our Savior. See, I love how it begins with the bad news, for the wages of sin is death. And then there's a but. And this is the most beautiful but you'll ever see. I'm telling you. <laughs> it is a good-looking but. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's what blows my mind. So we can all agree we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. You know, not even a single one of us is good, not even one. And we can't do enough good works to earn God's favor. We can't pay the price of our sin, cover the cost. And yet God wants to exchange our rebellion with his gift, his son. We exchange our rebellion against God for the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Isn't that mind-blowing? What an exchange that is. Our rebellion, eternal life with him. It's amazing. It, and it's hard to fathom that kind of love. Now, here's, here's something that I, I think a number of pastors and churches over the years have done us a disservice. I think they've done us a disservice. And here's why. Oftentimes, they focus on the, the future reality of this promise instead of the present reality of it. So how many times have you heard somebody say, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Everybody familiar with that? It's, it's a great question. I, I am not against that question. If you die today, you should think about this. Will you go to heaven? Do you have this assurance that you're going to end up in heaven? Good question. But I think this good news of Jesus Christ is so much more than just this get-out-of-hell-free card, if you know what I mean, after you die. Like, you guys remember Monopoly, get-out-of-jail-free card? Well, I think sometimes, because the way this has been preached and it's just so future-oriented, like, you don't want to go to hell, right? Nobody wants to go there, I don't think. And so you think, well, if I just believe in Jesus that when I die, then I get to play the get-out-of-hell-free card. And then all will be well. I, I think that just diminishes this good news. I believe that there's an, an element of this good news that is a present reality. That, that God tells us that when we embrace this gift of Jesus Christ, when we begin a relationship with him, then right now we experience his presence in our life. His spirit comes and lives within us. 
Can you imagine that? The presence of God right now. Not when you die do you experience the presence of God. Right here, right now. The, the power of God to, to bring darkness, to, to, take, to bring light, light into darkness, you know, to take away fears and worries. Right now, not just later on, not after you die, but here, right here, right now. You know, the, the power of his purpose for your life, this divine purpose for your life, you can experience that right here and right now, not just once you die. And this promise of, of eternity with him in paradise, that is great. Like, that's exciting. But there's a present reality to this hope and this promise that Jesus offers. He is this gift. And here, here's the thing. This gift from God, it's a gift that is not meant to be unwrapped and enjoyed once we die. It's a gift that is meant to be unwrapped and enjoyed right now, right now. And so I want to get that across to us because I'm afraid a lot of people are like, yeah, I, I'd like that gift, but I just want to leave it over here on the shelf and, and hopefully I'll remember to pick it up right before I die. No, you need to pick it up now and enjoy it now, unwrap it, embrace it right here and right now. That's good news. And so personally, like, I'm so thankful that I discovered this truth when I was 22 years old. I think, like, at a pretty young age. Some of you guys have already experienced it at a younger age, and, and I'm so thankful for you. But, um, you know, to embrace that gift of Jesus and, and then to begin to experience him in my life right then, I, I mean, it was incredible, and it forever changed me. And, and to know, like, God's God's spirit is living within me. That gave me incredible peace. You know, to know that, that God had the power to, to just take away my fears and my worries. Like, he would do that for me right now. And, and to give my life a real divine purpose right, right then. Like, that was a gift. You know, I'm so thankful that, that I received that gift at such a young age. It... it it transformed everything for me. And sometimes it, it saddens me. Some people, um, again, maybe they don't think that they've rejected Jesus, but if you haven't accepted him and embraced him, then in essence, that's what you've done. You've rejected him, and you're still living in rebellion against God. And sadly, what happens is, you know, difficulties are going to come in your life, aren't they? Like everybody here is already you know, lived through some really tough times. You, you've experienced death in your life. You've experienced just the sadness of somebody dying. You, you know what it is to, to lose relationships and, and to struggle through things. And, and I remember just from my own life, like I really enjoyed experiencing this relationship with Jesus in the prosperity and those good times. And I feel like I've, I've been more blessed than any person on the face of the earth. Like I have a great family and you know, we have everything anybody could ever want. Um, but you know when I've experienced Jesus the most in my life? It's been in the midst of adversity. Because when things, I don't know, are you like this? When things are going really well, I don't really need Jesus. Or at least I don't think I do. You know, I'll give him like, hey, what's up, Jesus? You know, pray to you real quick. The movement through my day. You know, I might even pull out the scripture, do a quick little devotional. Shh, good, got that done. Now I'm off, and I'm going to do my own thing because everything's good, right? I don't really have this felt need for Jesus, but guess what happens in the midst of adversity? And all of a sudden, I can't fix something? 
and I'm not in control any longer, you know where I run? Like I run to Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, I need you. I'm desperate for you. And the good news has been he, he's been there the whole time. He never left me, even though I may have left him or sort of forsaken him. And I'll be honest with you, and I remember in the darkest time I can think of in my life, I actually prayed, Jesus, stop. Please stop loving me like you're loving me and showing me the grace that you're showing me because I just want to be angry right now. I want to hold on to my anger right now, and I'm overwhelmed by your presence, and I'm overwhelmed by your love, and I'm overwhelmed by your grace. Could you stop? But that's what happens when you have that relationship. And it, again, what saddens me is some people are waiting. And, and by the time they hit those points of adversity, and now they start to cry out to Jesus, well, he, he's there, he's always been there, but they didn't know him, and they don't know him then, and so they don't experience him like they could or like they should, right? They don't feel the comfort. And if we're honest with ourselves, because this is probably true of all of us, we're crying out to Jesus, not because we really want Jesus, is it? We just want him to fix the situation. And Jesus, if you'll just fix the situation, guess what's going to happen next? I'm going back to my old way of life. Because once everything's good, I don't really need you anymore, and I'm going to continue to be the Lord of my life. I don't really want a Lord. I just want somebody to save me from this situation. Can you relate to that? Do you understand what I'm saying? I think that's so true of many of us, and it's so sad because when you're in the midst of this sadness and this adversity, and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, and you cry, and you're like, all right, God, if you are there, then fix this situation, and maybe he doesn't. And then you turn from him. And then you go through this difficulty and this sadness without him. See, I, I believe Jesus wants to bring us through it. He wants to bring us through it. He doesn't necessarily want to rescue us from it. And that's the sadness of not embracing the gift of Jesus Christ, unwrapping him, enjoying him right here, right now, instead of waiting some point in the future or when we die. Now, um, I want to give you some more good news. If you listen to Romans 5, 8, I think this is so encouraging. Listen to this. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news. So, so Jesus isn't saying, look, get all cleaned up. You know, get your acts together. Start doing good works. You know, once those, you know, supersede the bad works, then, then come to me. He's like, no, while you are still sinners, while you're in active rebellion against God, Jesus died for you. Can you imagine that? Now, that is some kind of crazy love. Think about it. While we are in active rebellion against God, he sends his one and only son to die for us. Nobody here, any parents here, nobody would do that, would you? Would you sacrifice one of your children for somebody else? Would you sacrifice one of your children when that somebody else is in active rebellion against you? I don't think so. I, I got to tell you, I would not do it. I don't love any of you that much, all right? And, and some of you go, may be going like, but Scott, you have five sons. You could do without one. You know, why don't you just sacrifice one of them? And you got a couple of daughters to fill in the gap, and the girls are better than the boys anyhow. You know, look, I'm not giving you any of them. 
right? I wouldn't sacrifice a single child of mine for any one of you. That's just the reality of it. But yet God, in his love, this crazy love, while we were in rebellion against him, sacrificed his one and only son. Isn't that crazy love? That's the kind of love, that's the good news that we have to share this morning and to embrace, hopefully, that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, as I mentioned before, our sin has a cost. There is a price to be paid. Somebody's going to pay for it. Fortunately, Jesus has done that. He took our sin upon himself. He even became sin. He suffered on our behalf. He was mocked. He was spit upon. He was beaten. He was forced to carry his own cross, this instrument of death. He was nailed to it and died upon it. And not because he did anything wrong. You know why he was nailed to it and died upon it? Because he confronted humanity with their own rebellion against God. That's why. He confronted humanity and said, you are rebelling against God. And, and worse yet, he said, but I'm the answer. I am the way and the truth and the life. And you know what we did? We killed him because of it. Because we don't want to hear that we have rebelled against God, and we don't want anybody to tell us that we need a Savior. And that's why he died. In our place, he paid the price. Because nothing is free. Salvation is not free. It costs Jesus everything. And so that leads me to this question that I think is before all of us this morning. What will you do? What will you do with the gift of God that is Jesus Christ? What will you do with God's gift? What will you do with Jesus? Will you unwrap him and embrace him and begin to enjoy him? Will you allow him not just to be your your Savior, but your Lord? Because here's the truth. They're a package deal. You don't get Savior without Lord. He says, I I didn't just come to be your Savior. I came to be your Lord. I like how how they um, say it in children's ministry. They, They tell the kids, or they ask the kids, do you want Jesus to be the boss of your life? You want Jesus to be the boss of your life. And and that's the offer. Jesus wants to be the boss of your life. Are you willing to embrace him? Are you willing to step off the throne of your own life? Stop being the Lord and allow him to be the Lord of your life? I mean, that's a big sacrifice. And it's really hard for us to do. Because, again, we want control we, we think we're in power. We can fix everything. But the reality is, as all of us know, we can't. But it's difficult to hand over the lordship of our lives. But I want to ask you, what do you get by holding on to the lordship of your life, of, of continuing to be your own boss? I, I would venture to say what you get for that is a lot of fear and anxiety, and stress, and a feeling of inadequacy, and failure, because eventually you're going to realize you are not in control, and you cannot fix everything. You can't fix everyone. You can't heal 
people. You don't have the power, all the answers. It is not a place you want to be, being your own boss. You know what you want? You want a benevolent boss, someone who only has your best interest, an all-powerful boss. I'm telling you, what you want is Jesus as your boss, your Lord, not just your Savior, because that's, that's a place of peace. You know, when he comes and he says, I, I want to take, you've been carrying this stuff far too long. Let me take that off of you. So I, I don't have to worry about that anymore? No, I've got it. I actually have a plan for your life. Let me take that from you. I, you you're worried about that? You, you, let, me, let me take that from you too. You, I, I know all you see is darkness. You don't understand why these things are happening. Let me just shine a little light on that. You see... I've got it. Let me be the Lord. How's it worked out for you being Lord? Not so well, huh? That's my job. And so I don't know about you. But when I look at, at my, my life and, and the sin and the cost of my sin <clears throat> and the offer of Jesus, I'm thinking, you know what? I think the price is right. Like I'm willing to exchange my rebellion for his salvation. I, I'm willing to step off the throne of my life, quit being the boss of my life, and say, Jesus, come on in. You, you're now my boss. I think the price is right. But you have a choice. You can choose to pay the price or not. You can look to Jesus and ask him to pay the price or not. But somebody's going to pay. There's a cost to everything. Everything has a price. Now, I'm going to pray, and, you know, some of you guys may have prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life before, and um, that would be great. You know, I'm going to, I've done that. I'm going to pray again, because I could use some more Jesus, more of his spirit. Maybe there's some here that have really never prayed and just said, Jesus, I want you to be the boss of my life. We don't need to overcomplicate this. You don't need a fancy prayer or anything. And just say, Jesus, come be the boss. I've been trying to be the boss, and it just hasn't really worked out well. Can you be the boss of my life? And, and watch. Watch what he does. So let's pray. Dear, dear God, we just come to you um, together right now recognizing that we all have a problem. Um, we've all sinned and fallen short of your glory. We know now that there, there's a price for that, for the wages of sin. The thing that we've earned is, is really death. It's, it's ultimate separation from you forever. And, and Lord, that's not what we want but we also recognize that we struggle with this whole lordship thing and handing over control to you. But um, right now, um, we, we just pray that you would come and you would become the boss of our lives. Lord, I confess that I've fallen so short of your glory. I, I pray that you would take back your rightful seat as boss of my life. For anybody else that's here that, that needs to, to pray that, Lord, would you come and become the boss of their life? Would you lift the burdens that they've been trying to carry? Would you help them to experience just the joy of your presence, the joy of your salvation that you offer? We pray that you would just move through our midst right now, that you would break open our hearts and our minds. Lord, the, the things that we've been clinging to that have become barriers between us and you, we pray that you would remove them. We would lay down all of our inhibitions from following you and recognize 
And that's really the greater thing because you've made the greater sacrifice. Would you come into our lives and take control? We ask it all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.